Well, good morning. It's great to hear the murmuring of visiting and greeting, and it's good to be with you here this morning. As Kevin said, if you're new here, especially, my name is Bruce Sands. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor and uh, just the privilege of diving into God's Word together with you. As Kevin mentioned, we're in the season of Advent. You know that. Uh, We're going to look at the Advent season in these Sundays coming ahead in three time periods, past, present, and future. And so today we're actually starting with the Bethlehem story of Christ coming in the flesh at Bethlehem. And the next week, uh, in our hearts daily, and then the following week of in glory at the end of time of Christ's return in the second coming. So today we're looking at uh, the story that is maybe a well-known story that can sometimes become even too familiar with us, but maybe, uh, again, that we look at it with fresh eyes and what God wants to do uniquely uh, in our lives today and this season as the, the gospel of John, and John wrote how, in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That is the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage you to uh, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, and I want to read the first uh, 20 verses of Luke chapter 2. And I want you to listen as I read through this text. I want you to listen for the shepherds. We're going to focus primarily on the shepherds today and some of what Uh, God had in store for them and how they were changed through this story. So let's read this well-known story. It says, "In In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the heavens, highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that he They had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The birthplace and the circumstances of Jesus' birth are so humble and so basic. And we know this story, and again, as we read this story again, sometimes it's hard for us to really imagine what that would have been like. I think it would have been hard for those people who were first there to even understand 
truly and fully what exactly was happening because of this humble location. Bethlehem was the location that Mary and Joseph were to go to because of the census that was to be taken, likely a registration for taxes. And while it was not clear what kind of place that they were actually in, this place that had a manger, that had a feeding trough for animals, we're not sure if it was part of a house where there were animals in one part of the house with them. Was it a separate building? Was it even a cave or something like that? We actually don't know that. And different people have speculated on different ways that you could understand that. But we know that it was a humble place because we know that Jesus was placed in this manger, a feeding trough for animals. So it's interesting how God chooses to enter the world. Humble, mundane, simple. And yet today when royalty comes to town, today when a king comes to town, today when important people come to town, it's usually a very different kind of reception, isn't it? It's a very different kind of place or a way of entering at least into that certain area. Think of Prince Harry right now, right? You see that on the news with his new fiance, Angela Merkel. No, no, that's the other European woman. Uh, Meghan Markle. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> Meghan is with Harry. That's right. Um, but, you know, as they go, they, they go and they, they enter into those places. And, and so whether it's a leader of a country like Angela Merkel um, or prince and princess to be, you have this kind of pomp and ceremony where you have all kinds of people that are there that uh, celebrate with them and are waiting for them. They have this great reception for them. Sometimes there's military standing there. They have brass bands, marching bands, other dignitaries, and there's media all over the place. I mean, that we know, right? Like, that's the way the world welcomes these kinds of people. And yes, here in this story, there were heavenly beings and there were angels praising God as God just kind of pulled the curtain back just a little bit into the spiritual realm to get this glimpse. But it was for an audience of only a few shepherds. That's all who saw that. That spectacular scene, just a few shepherds who are now entrusted with this message to go and to proclaim and to see what God was doing. You know, shepherds as a class of people had what some would say a bad reputation. Other commentators say, well, they didn't really have a bad reputation, but they at least had a low reputation in that culture. They were seen as simple, uneducated, regular folk. Uh, the important things of life, uh, they, were, they had little importance for the things of life, and they were not looked upon in any kind of high esteem. If you think of the phrase ordinary Joe, uh, shepherds were the classic epitome of ordinary Joes in that culture. Because of their nature, the nature and the calling of their work with animals, it kept them from observing ceremonial law, which meant so much to the Jewish religious leaders at that time, so that was a big deal. Because of that, they would actually have been seen as an unreliable witness to testify in a court of law. Shepherds were considered unreliable, and so they would not be giving testimony in those kinds of places. And so it was to this lower class of ordinary, everyday people that God chose to give this immense privilege of the proclamation of the fulfillment of this prophetic longing of so many people, like the prophets of Isaiah and Malachi that we just heard from. The fulfillment of a promise of a Messiah. And now told to these shepherds to go and to look and to worship and then to tell others. 
What strikes me about this story again is that if this was an event for shepherds, this was an event for everyone. This was an event for all people to experience and encounter Jesus and to be changed. Growing up on a farm in Saskatchewan, we had lots of animals, but we never had sheep. Uh, and so I have had very little impact with sheep or shepherds. My only encounter with that was a trip to Australia and New Zealand many, many years ago. Uh, in New Zealand, the ratio of sheep to people is about 20 to 1. 20 sheep for every one people. So you can't help but run into sheep when you're in New Zealand. Australia is a little bit less than that, but also lots of sheep there as well too. And for a while while we were on our trip, my buddy and I, we stayed on this farm with a sheep herder named Malcolm and his wife Joy. And we spent time with them, and uh, Malcolm was kind of like the shepherds that we read about here. He's an ordinary, everyday farmer, a sheep herder, and he didn't have a staff, and he didn't go out and sleep with the sheep out in the field or anything like that. He slept in his house. He wasn't quite that attentive to them. He didn't, uh, you know, herd them in that way. In fact, how he herded them, as we experienced one day, is when uh, in a vehicle called a ute. Um, think ranchero, car with a box in the back. Um, and so my buddy and I got in with Malcolm, and one day we're going to go get some sheep. And so he goes out, and he starts chasing these sheep in the field, and we're just pounding across this field in his ute, and finally he kind of separates a few out and spins them around, gets them disoriented, gets them tired, and then all of a sudden, without warning, he opens the door and jumps out, and the car is still rolling and moving along, and my buddy and I are sitting there looking, where did Malcolm go? And he's tackling this sheep now, like, you know, some kind of rodeo steer wrestler, and uh, that was my experience of shepherding. We had mutton that night. I don't really like mutton, actually. But it was to people like Malcolm that God chose to share this story, to reveal himself, to show this announcement, to catch a glimpse of what God would do here and as we read in verse 9 where it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were understandably terrified. I think I would have been too. Any one of us would have been terrified. And then the angels calm them down and tell them what God is doing. Because you see, humanity has nothing to fear when God moves in grace. And this was a story of good news. This was a story that would change the world. And the titles that are used here for Jesus are significant. Savior, Messiah, Lord. A Savior, somebody who's the deliverer of the people, somebody who would save them from bondage and darkness and oppression and give them freedom. Messiah, a fulfillment of so many prophetic promises. The anointed and chosen one of God. And Lord, that he is master over our lives. That he is Lord of lords and King of kings establishing a new kingdom, the Lord of all creation, the ruler of kingdoms and powers. Do people really understand this? Do the shepherds really understand this? I don't know. I doubt that they fully understood that at the time. But when the angels left them, now they had a choice. What would they do? How would they respond? Would they respond? You know, they could have just dismissed this encounter with the angels and chalked it up to a wild dream or a really good light show or something else, and they just could have gone on with their lives, uh, life as usual, but they didn't. They took God at his word, and they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see what this is all about. Let's go see the truth of what has been proclaimed to us. 
We don't know what they did with their sheep. Were they irresponsible? Did they leave somebody back? We have no idea. But they went. And they responded to this incredible revelation of God himself. And it changed them forever. And it changed the course of the world. They started in fear and trembling as shepherds. And then they became bold in their witness. And people were amazed at what they told them. And they became worshipers of the living God. And remember, these were people who were not seen as having a credible witness in the court of law. And it's to these people that God entrusts of giving witness and testimony to the waiting world about what was happening. God always chooses things in an upside-down, backwards kind of way. People who are humble, people who would not have had credibility, and these were the people that God was going to use to speak through and to proclaim this truth and this story to the world. So when we encounter Jesus, it changes us. It causes what we call transformation in our lives, just like it did for the shepherds at that time. And I have a friend, Lyle, I want to invite up uh, on the platform with me. Lyle Richards, many of you know. Uh, Lyle, I've asked to share a little bit about uh, his story of transformation as well. So Lyle, are you a shepherd? I am not a shepherd. You kind of look like a shepherd. I could pass as a shepherd. Yeah. Do you, have you ever been a shepherd? I have not been a shepherd. Do you know a shepherd? Uh, you have the most experience of anybody okay, I've ever met. So that, that qualifies. Okay. So what I asked Lyle to do is I said, Lyle, tell us a couple of things. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about when you had first encountered Jesus. So tell us, first of all, some of that and how you responded. Well, the, the first time that I actually encountered Jesus is a pretty significant point in my life that I encountered Jesus in an, in an amazing way, and I dismissed it completely. Um, I was 18. I was in a car accident, a quite bad car accident where I actually didn't survive, and I shouldn't have walked away from it at all. Um, Jesus, I, I can remember, I'm, I'm upside down in my truck after rolling it on the highway multiple times. But I, could see my truck. but I could see my truck. I could see the bottom of it. And it was getting further and further away. And I just had this feeling of peace. And then all of a sudden I went to turn and a voice said, not yet. Not now. And it felt like a, a jolt from, you know, you see in the movies or TV shows, shock them and boom, and you wake up. And it, as soon as he said, not now, it was like, <gasps> And I woke up upside down and thought, uh, I got to get out of here. And I did. And somehow walked away. And, well, I didn't walk away. I spent some time laying down for a while. But I'm here now and I'm walking. And it was pretty awesome. But I dismissed it completely. I thought, you know what? I needed you then and you were there for me. And I'm a little afraid to admit what happened and tell anybody about it. So I just, I'm back on my way. I'm in control. So you, were, you give testimony to the fact that you just saw God's hand in that moment of really saving you, but you didn't respond to Jesus at that time, but it was an encounter with Jesus is what you would say? I know now, absolutely, without a doubt, it was an encounter with Jesus, and I dismissed it completely. Yeah. So now, now, Lyle, years later, you're a father, a husband, uh, you work in business, um, you're involved in the everyday stuff of life. How, talk a little bit about the transformation that Jesus has done in your life now where you have responded to him differently and, 
And, and how did you respond to Jesus in obedience at some point, and how has that changed you? Talk about that a bit. Well, I'll actually tell you the, the transformation story briefly of the Coles notes of it, of when I actually, I'm a stubborn guy. Obviously, I went through something amazing and dismissed us, and God just said, you know what? For you, I, I have to be so unbelievably obvious in your life for you to accept it that here you go. And I was sitting in that pew up there, front row, looking down. Bruce is preaching. I have no idea what you were saying. It was... It was my first, was my first time, time in church, time in ever, church and I came, ever, for, came for support of support my wife, my wife now, and I, now, I came because she had some very influential friends that, were, friends that were getting her to come here, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to come, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support her in that and just let her know that, you know, and these people, I'm not going to stand in her way. This is the life that she wants to do. I will support it. I don't want anything to do with it. And I sat up there, and you preached, and then all of a sudden, it's like a... A tunnel vision, and you were sitting here pointing at me. I see you. You're right there, and I'm right here. Look at me. And obviously, you weren't, because everybody else would have been like, "What's going on?" But that's what you were doing. And then all of a sudden, it stopped, and it's back to Bruce preaching, and still having no idea what he's saying, but very evident, saying, "Okay, this is real. God, you are here. What now?" Yeah, it was. That was, a, that was the time that I made the choice to say, okay, that was way too obvious. You have me here for a reason. I'm ready to listen. That's powerful. So that was a time when you encountered Christ in a very personal way, and you responded yes in obedience. What, what has that changed in your life of from what you've been to what you've become? How would you speak of some of the transformation that's changed for you? Uh, well, before, obviously, I was stubborn and obviously, obviously in control of my life. I could do anything I wanted to do. I, I felt God talk to me. I felt him just, just release that. When I realized, because I'm a man, I like to fix things. I can do anything on my own. I don't need anybody's help. When I finally realized and talked to God and said, Kate, you're here, Jesus, I want you to live in my heart. I believe 100% that you are here that you can believe, that you can live in my heart, that you believe in me. When I made that choice, it was like a burden of the world was gone off my shoulders. I, before I was an angry person. Now I, I don't have that anymore. I have somebody to help take that away, to take it away from me. I was able to focus on being the person I was supposed to be. I was the husband I was supposed to be, the father I was supposed to be, the friend, this just... The person I was supposed to be, I had a purpose in life. I realized that I did. I have no idea what it is, but God has a purpose for my life, and he released that for me so that I could focus on being that person. That's powerful. So is it accurate to say that it doesn't make your life perfect or necessarily easy, but it makes your life radically different? It has changed me to become not only the person that... That God, has that God has wanted me to be, but the person that I would like to be. That's powerful. We say thank you to Lyle. Thank you. I wanted you to hear just a short snippet of one story, and Lyle's story could be told countless times from people sitting here today. 
of stories of transformation of how when we encounter God, we have a choice of how do we respond. Do we respond with yes and walk in obedience, repenting of our sins, turning in a different way, embracing what God has for us, or do we respond in a different way? And so this pattern of revelation response is something that we see throughout Scripture. It's what Lyle described in his story. It's what we see in the story in Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds. And it's a pattern that we try to follow in our worship services. We talk about that even here. We talk about revelation response of having the Word of God taught at the beginning of the service in the front end. And then in the last latter part of the service, we respond in worship. And in other ways. And then as we go out into the week, uh, we respond with our life, a life response as we leave from here. God is continually revealing himself to us in so many different ways. But the question for us is how will we respond? Will we see our need from him, for him? Will we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior? Will we give him just a little bit of our lives and just a small piece of our lives? Or will we actually entrust everything to him as Lord. It's a question that continually comes at us. These shepherds encountered a powerful revelation of God in power and in a person, and then they responded. They went to see for themselves, actually not because they doubted, but because they believed. There's this prophetic declaration of God, and it needed a physical, visible, and tangible response. And so they went. It says in this text how God's peace is there on whom his favor rests. It's for those who respond to God's revelation and grace. Jesus comes for all, but not all respond. And not all benefit from this grace and this peace that he invites us to know. We don't know how much about this encounter with baby Jesus changed them, these shepherds, but we know that it changed them. Again, they were humble, simple, lowly shepherds invited into the most incredible story in human history. They began in fear and in terror as they encountered the living God and his power. They went and they saw the humility of God in the form of a baby born in a manger. God himself identifying with the human race that he created so much so that he came to earth to be one of us. They had experienced the power of God and Jesus in the flesh. And then they went out and spread the word. Suddenly they were evangelists. Suddenly they were witnesses giving testimony to what God had done and what God was about to do. People were amazed at their message and responded to their message. And it shows this spontaneous obedience of the shepherds and the amazement of those who heard their reports of what had happened. We assume that they returned to work. It says that they returned to their fields. They kept giving praise and glory to God for what they had experienced. And so it changed them. I would imagine they did their shepherding differently. But you know, the question that has been rolling around for me in my head as I've been looking at this text again is, what if they hadn't have gone? What if they hadn't have gone to Bethlehem to go look for themselves? What would have happened to them? We don't know. But the response of the shepherds is the same response that we are all called to as we encounter the revelation of God. It's a response of praise and obedience. They praised God with a heavenly host for what he was doing in that moment and what he was uh, doing in the world and what would 
happened in the years to come, and they walked in obedience. And we too need to follow where God leads us with both grace and boldness, giving testimony and giving witness to God's direction in our lives and the impact in our lives, just as Lyle has done here this morning. One author puts it this way, that the best way that we show our amazement of God is with the response of a grateful, faithful walk that has ample donations of praise. Transformation occurs in our lives as we live a life of praise and obedience in response to encountering Jesus. This is the invitation of Jesus that was born as a tiny baby, God incarnate in the flesh. This baby that was born in a major that we celebrate at this Christmas season. This Jesus that grew in stature and maturity as a young boy and then a young adult and who grew up in a particular family in a cultural context in a certain time and era of human history. This is the invitation of this Jesus who then stepped into his calling and his identity as an adult and began his public ministry and invited people to come and follow me is what he said. This is the invitation of the Jesus who then went to the cross and died for us, for our sins, that we might be forgiven and made whole and made new and experience the Savior who rescues us from the darkness of our sinful lives. And this is the Jesus who is buried in a tomb and then who overcame death and overwhelmed the grave and returned to glory beside his heavenly Father and will return one day again. And who still, as we heard a few weeks ago, is still so intimately close just behind the curtain. But this is the God that we worship. This is the invitation of Jesus to respond. Struck by in the book of Acts, and if you look in Acts chapter 4 and you see this account of Peter and John and as they were taken before the religious leaders, and as they too were giving testimony and proclaiming to God what he had done and proclaiming this hope and this freedom that is found in Jesus Christ, and as people were coming to faith, and they were dragged before the religious rulers of that day, and they were told to be quiet because of all that they were changing in that culture. But the one line in that Acts chapter 4 that always has struck me is it says they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Because when you've been with Jesus and you encounter him, it changes you. People can see it. People feel it when they're around you. They, your stories are different. What you talk about is different. How you live your life is different. There's transformation that occurs and it changes you. So this is the story that began here in the manger. This is the story that we are invited into with all of our lives. This is a story that changed and transformed these shepherds, these ordinary people, just like you and me. And it led to the cross for our freedom, for our transformation. And so the question for us, just like for the shepherds, is how will we respond? Will we allow Jesus to transform us? Will we live lives of obedience and praise to encounter the living Christ? Or will we just shrink back and say, well, that was interesting. How will you respond today? I invite you to stand and invite the worship team to come up and I want to just lead us in a concluding prayer. And then we will continue to respond 
through the music and worship, through the rest of this service, and we will continue to respond into this week and with our lives and how God calls us on a day-by-day basis. Let's pray together. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the truth that you initiate, that you are a God who loves us so much that you came to this earth as a little baby, that you came in human flesh in a place called Bethlehem. The incarnation, God with us. What an incredible story. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here that you would help us to respond with praise and obedience. And God, I pray that for people here who maybe have never responded to you, have never bended their knee to you, have never submitted their lives to you, who have wondered about what that's about and have never taken that step of faith. And I also pray for those who have been part of the church and part of faith for a long time where we fail to recognize our need for you daily, our need for you on a regular basis to continue to come before you in worship and repentance and to receive your grace again. So Lord, I I just pray and I ask for those of you who would want to just join with me in this, that in the quietness of your heart, that you would just respond in a similar quiet prayer to the Lord. Lord, that you would change me today. That you would reveal more of yourself to me today. That you would help me to encounter the living Jesus today. And Lord, that you would turn my life from darkness and maybe hopelessness and sin, and that you would forgive me and make me free. And Lord, I pray that you would come into my life in a new way, that you would fill me with your spirit, and that you would give me joy that can only come from you. So Lord Jesus, I recognize you as Lord and Savior today. And I give you my life. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to live out of that kind of response, to live out of that kind of obedience, to recognize this story not just as a cute story of a baby, but a remarkable inbreaking of the living God into this world that changes everything. Would you continue to change us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.